Welcome to the Construction Pals Podcast, brought to you by Blue Tape, your source for the latest in the construction world. Hard hats off, headphones on, and let's get started. And I'm your host, Rick Butler from Blue Tape. In today's episode, we're talking with Mike Kading, CEO of Norhart, changing the way apartments are designed, built, and managed. How you doing, Mike? Doing great. Man, we appreciate you being here. I'm excited about this because uh, uh, there's something I think we all have to learn, and and I think it's you've got something really unique uh, uh, that I think you're about to share with us that I know personally I'm ready for and uh, want to mm-hmm. learn about. But hey, here's what I always start. Where are you, man? Minnesota, the land of ten thousand lakes and the fro- right. frozen tundra in the winter. I hear you. Okay, without getting into Norhart. Uh, yet, what about you know your background in the construction industry? Yeah, I, I grew up with that. So my parents originally started in in real estate and construction, and so I lived with that. Right, I was on the sites picking up nails, shoveling the dirt, probably being more of a nuisance than a value, at least initially. And I went up to college. And my focus was on things like computer science. And I was really passionate about computer graphics and 3D animation and virtual reality and and management and some other things. And I got really into that space in college and even before college. And then uh, my dad wanted me to join the business and I didn't want to. Kind of struggled through my own ego during that stage. But ultimately, to answer your question, I grew up with construction. Well, let's get to Norhart. Before I ask you, you know, a little bit more about it, uh, let's just go here to common. I mean, let's go here to present day. Mm-hmm. Present day, tell me what Norhart is doing, what you guys are accomplishing, and uh, and then we'll go backwards digging into the the genesis of it. Yeah, we're a, about a $200 million apartment management company. We build, manage, and own. And really, our focus is to drive down the cost of construction. Because long-term, we believe we can actually achieve a, a help solve America's housing affordability crisis. And the way that we do that is by driving down the cost of construction. We have already achieved about a 20 to 30% reduction in those costs. We believe that someday we can achieve a 50% reduction. Imagine what that means. I mean, someday your rent could be half, or your mortgage payment could be half. So our dream, what we're working on doing is to scale this up at such a level that we're producing so many units for the markets that we're in, the pricing starts coming down, not just for our own residents, but for everyone within those communities. And so that's where we're at today. Okay, so that's where you are today. So now in in all entrepreneurial journeys, you saw a problem when, uh, how did you formulate that problem come to, yeah, this is a problem, formulate how you're going to fix it. Uh, When did that journey begin? Yeah. So I alluded to this earlier. I went off to school, wanted nothing to do with the family business, but my dad wanted me to join it. And the reason I struggled at this point was because my dad, or because I don't want people to think the business was given to me. So I really wrestled with my own ego. But I hopped in, we joined the business, got past my own ego, and my dad and I grew the size of the company. But it wasn't long after, and my dad 
unexpectedly passed away. Uh, overnight, I basically lost my dad. And so you talk about formulating a plan, being an entrepreneur's journey. In some way, I was kind of thrust into this. I kind of had to learn on the fly in many regards. And in fact, I didn't take the title of CEO for like five years later because I didn't feel like I'd earned it. After my dad passed, we were working to get approval within the city for another project. And I remember the city council uh, being challenging at that time, not trusting me because of my inexperience. In fact, the city staff shut us down twice. And the second time they shut us down, the city staff members came to me and said, Mike, we don't think you have what it takes. You need to hire real management to do what you're doing. And so we had to hire someone in a matter of three days. It was terrible experience. And it's not the way to hire good people. We've learned many important lessons since then. But what we ended up doing, working really hard behind the scenes. And I remember about a month or two before the project was supposed to open, we had a water main that was thousands of feet long, buried 15 feet in the ground. And our water main pressure test did not hold. At some point in that water main, there was a pinhole water leak. And so I had to go, I was out there in my nice clothes, in the mud, in the dirt, digging, helping the teams find this leak for weeks on end. And I remember a few days before we were supposed to open, the city staff did not think, told us, they said, you're not going to open this building. And what uh, we worked through the night, late nights, and uh, we had hundreds of, about hundred families that had to come move in. What was I supposed to do with them if we couldn't open the building? I remember that last day, the, all the ins, about half a dozen inspectors, a half a day inspection came out to look at every nook and cranny of that building. I remember the very end, the head building inspector pulled me aside and said, Mike, I know we were hard on you. But honestly, this is the nicest project we've opened in the city. And at this point, like, all of this time feeling inadequate, feeling like I don't know what I'm doing, feeling like I don't even know what my entrepreneurial direction really is. To finally have a moment where like, dude, we can do this. We can make this happen. That was really a key turning point for me to start saying, okay, we can do this and we can change this industry at the same time. At, at the point of that, that was your first building, correct? First apartment complex? First building without my dad around, yes. Okay. At at that point, did you guys start? Was this the arc of this story starting to go to? We can eventually get to, you know, fifty, you know, fifty percent cost reductions. Is that is that where it started, or did after you did that one, you started going? We can start cutting those costs and making it uh, to get to eventually where you're going to be at that fifty percent. Is that where it started, or did you find that out by accident? <laughs> I, I wish I could say that I knew the whole plan before I got into it. The honest answer is no. I knew deep down I wanted to make some kind of meaningful, positive impact in the world, but I didn't know exactly what that would look like. And I think that's an important lesson for everyone in life. You've got to get out there, skin your knees a little bit to learn what life is really about. So for us, we have traditionally been able to keep costs low simply through a lot of sweat equity and pain. <laughs> that works at a small scale. That does not work at larger scale. And so what we started finding out 
And, and during this time, actually, one of our plumbers came to me and said, Mike, I know we've been doing projects with you for a couple of years here. And, and I know the price has been X, but we think we can get more. We want to now charge you three times the amount. And I looked at him and said, I, I just can't afford that. Like, I, I don't have the money. I, I just don't have the funds to do this. And so we started pricing it out with other competitors and they were right. That was sort of the going market rate. Well, how do we solve this? Went to the store, the bookstore, bought a bunch of plumbing books, started studying plumbing. We ended up hiring a master plumber to sort of work with us as a consultant on site a little bit. And we hired some laborers to become apprentice plumbers. And we started to learn how to do plumbing. It was terrible. It was hard. And we weren't that good at it initially. But that was one of the starting points where we started realizing hey, there's something here. By bringing the work in-house, we can actually lower the cost because the subcontractors were charging obscene profits at that time. But there was other advantages too. We could start building a system that builds housing, a lot like manufacturing build, has a system to build goods for people. And that was sort of the start of driving down the cost in a more meaningful way. I uh, I mean, I'm fascinated by that. You just uh, it, it again, it found you and then you found the 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 solution there. Did it work with other uh, trades, uh, drywallers, carpenters, roofers that were on your projects and you applied that same basically scenario equation with them also? I mean, did exactly. you did you go back to the library and learn how to be a roofer? <laughs> Learn how to be an electrician. <laughs> yeah, in some sense, the answer is yes. You know, one of the interesting things for people to think about as they go through life is people try to avoid problems. But you should look at it almost differently. When problems hit you, they hit me all the time. I mean, like earth-shattering problems all the time. Look at it as an opportunity. Because if you can learn, if you can solve, if you can take the that problem and turn it on its head and make it a success for your business, you're now achieving something that other people can't because they're stopped by those problems. So yeah, we we got into plumbing that it, it was hard at first. We actually did worse at first, but it got better over time. And then we were sort of bit by the bug. Like what else could we try? And we started bringing electrical in-house. We brought... Um, drywall and HVAC and concrete. And eventually we went as crazy as precast concrete, wall panel manufacturing, supply chain, logistics, all of that under one roof, really building out the system that builds housing. And give me a give me a time frame. What years are we talking about? Especially when the the plumbing problem hits you, and then you guys solved it as you started construction on that apartment complex. What year was this? Yeah, it was maybe twenty thirteen, fourteen, somewhere in there. So we've okay. been on this journey for a, a decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so between let's say 2014 and today, how many of these complexes have you guys? Uh, erected so we look at the number of units being produced because each building is a different size yeah um, i mean we do about one building per year but back then it was 
30 units or less, eight units in a, in a year. And now we're up to three to 400 units a year. So it really is. It's the, you're, you're the, uh, uh, Ford of, uh, of, of apartment units. Would that yeah. be the, the whole assembly line thing? Would that be yeah. a good, would that be a good analogy? I mean, it's exactly true. I mean, we're, uh, when we think about this, again, we're thinking about the system that builds housing. If you look at other industries like manufacturing, they've improved labor productivity by 760%. Agriculture has improved it by 1500% over the last 60 years. Uh, construction's done virtually nothing, just 10%. So we said, why not learn from these other industries and apply their techniques to our own? And so, for example, uh, we just contacted Toyota. Toyota is known for removing cost and waste out of manufacturing processes. They've invented this thing called lean. They really revolutionized the space. So why not learn from the very Best. And so now we have Toyota people out here on a regular basis. And to give you some sense of the innovations there, it's, it's not, it's a simple innovation, the assembly line. I know in the world of manufacturing, it radically improved it, very simple technique. But how in the world could you apply that to construction? Well, you can't take a building and drive it down a line. No, but what you can do is you can take the person and move them through the building. So right now in our teams, every five hours, each team moves by one unit through the building. So if you look at the end of our building, every five hours, there's a brand new apartment unit completed. Just that one technique can drive down the time it takes to build a building from 15 months down to nine. There's lots of little things like that that we're implementing. So right now it's in Minnesota as we're really perfecting the system. And our dream is to extend out to other cities, but it's like, it's it's a lot of work to build out that system, right? Uh, in Minnesota, we focus on the suburban area, typically of the Twin Cities. Um, and on the high end are some of our newer properties. They are seven stories of building, three stories of parking garage, penthouse suites, um, coffee shops, restaurants at the, at the transit line, rooftop patio and grills, um, sky lounges, that sort of kind of property. Wow. So these are these are really high-end. We do the really high-end, and we also do, I would say, one step below that, which is high quality for the suburbs, but not quite that high-end as well. If you're in different states, your crews are going to have to, I mean, I guess your crew would have to go from location to location to location, but since you're sort of in a regional area that the transportation and getting them from different places isn't that that's not hard to scale right there um and i'm sure you're going to get i'm sure you're going to get there uh as your expansion goes yeah it, it would be very challenging to have to fly people across the country for different sites although yeah. we, we aren't afraid of flying people around though we'll hire we work to hire the very, very best, and we'll fly people from other states to come work during the week and fly them home on the weekend because they're best in the world at mm. their niche of what they're doing. Wow! So is the goal is the goal to get to the that fifty percent um, efficiency model of cost savings, or is the goal to expand into other states, other parts of Minnesota? What's your growth plan look like? 
Ultimately, the dream is to work to solve America's housing affordability crisis. And the way we do that is twofold. One is driving down the cost of construction. So we're at that 20 to 30% mark. We still have a ways to go to get to 50%. It sounds easy numbers, but it's really hard to do. Uh, but then the second thing is scaling up production because people look at our properties and they say, Mike, dude, your rents are about the same as everyone else. Like, how are you actually working to solve housing affordability? That's true. Our rents are about the same as everybody else. But what we're doing is we're taking those profits and putting it into the systems that build housing. So think manufacturing plants. You know, Elon ta- Elon Musk talks about how it's hard to produce a car, but it's 10 to 100 to 1,000 times harder to produce the system that builds that car. So we're putting the money into building the system, and we're hoping to scale that up over the next decade or so to the point of producing about 60,000 units per year. At that point, within the markets that we're building, we're producing so much housing to that market that given supply and demand factors, pricing starts coming down naturally. And here's the magic. It's not just for our own residents. It's for everyone in the communities that we're building in. Explain that. How how does it affect somebody living across the street Yeah, uh, down the so, road? How, how is it going to positively affect them on their bottom line? Exactly. Yeah, good question. So if we produce, let's let's just say we build a new 100-unit building called uh, Cedarwood Apartments, and the neighbor down the street, he has his own 100-unit building. His building is full. I've now opened my new building. Now some of his residents start moving over, right? There's this supply and demand imbalance. Over time with enough units, let's just say there was only 100 people in the market, there's now price depression. We start pushing down pricing. So for him to keep his current residence, he's starting to lower his price. Maybe he brings it down by $50 a month. I'm now lowering my price, which I can do because my cost basis is so low that my pricing comes down. And there's a natural equilibrium there that happens as a result of building. But it's it's just enough supply to any market drives down the price. Mm. That's, um, wow. It's, uh, it's a whole... Yeah, it's just that that whole circle right there of uh, cause and effect, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So does is Norhart the entire ecosystem of acquiring the land, designing, uh, building, and then managing the property and holding long term? Is that are you guys the entire, if I'm using that word correctly, the entire ecosystem from acquiring the land, putting the first shovel in the ground? Designing yeah. the whole thing and then managing it at the end, collecting rents. I mean, mm. you guys do it all. We're from dirt to key. So literally everything, even yeah. the engineers, the architects, even manufacturing. We have a wall manufacturing plant. We've got precast concrete, which is very, uh, that's a very specialized industry that very few people get in. There's only a few in Minnesota and, um, yeah, we go pretty deep anywhere that we think we can save money in bringing it in one place, then we do it. What's a, a technology or two that people can look up and sort of say, hey, it's helping these guys. It could help me in my business. Yeah, so I'll give you two answers. One is a little bit mundane and then another one's a little bit more interesting and newer. So mundane answer is simply like ERP infrastructure. So 
the dream, and we're not entirely there either, is that the, the architectural teams are designing out the plans and the product. And in fact, our plans are to the point that each wire is measured out. We know exactly what outlets exactly every product in the building. Then we can generate a parts list for that building. We can then spread that out over time because we know where each team is going to be. And uh, then you can measure all of those stages and exactly where people are at every few hours. And that infrastructure to be able to handle all that information requires um, some heavy lifting. So ERP infrastructure. And we use a lot of Microsoft Dynamics-based products in that, in that stack. The maybe more exciting, newer kinds of technologies we're exploring is the use of AI and design process. There is technologies today that you can basically tell an AI to design a building for you. So it's, it's a little bit crazy. It's not always a perfect building, but I can imagine a world that we can train an AI to optimize the building design based upon the constraints and the things that we've learned to get us even higher efficiency buildings, both in the cost of the building and the cost of the maintaining it over time. Because there's a lot of, that's that's not a well-explored area. A lot of architects just kind of do what they've known rather than doing what is truly optimal because they don't know what's truly optimal. Mm-hmm. Well said. So current day, I know you had the resistance when you first came aboard. Basically, they were questioning your experience. Mm. But now here you are today. You're proven. Uh, you got a runway and you're going somewhere. What's the resistance in the industry that you're facing today? What what type of negative pushback, if any, or resistance? Yeah, I think the biggest resistance is simply the construction industry itself. It's very much an industry of my dad did it this way, my granddad did it this way, and by golly, I am going to do it this way as well. It's sort of the, the default mentality. And so one of the key things we've learned is that it's hard to hire people with the right mentality to be successful here because so many other people are the other kind of mentality. And uh, we've gotten extraordinarily um, put an extraordinary amount of effort into our hiring process. In fact, we're now to the point that we only accept about 0.4% of applicants into our company. To give you some perspective, Harvard accepts 4% of their applicants, so 10 times more, um, which is extraordinarily rare. I, I don't know of any other construction company that is anywhere near that. They're more just hiring who they can get. But I think that's critical because there's so few people in this space that have the mentality of I'm willing to change everything. Like I'm willing to question everything. And that that's really the key resistance we see is just that inertia of I've just done it this way. And that's how I'm going to do it. The thing I've learned, the most important lesson is that it's to hire the very best people. And the thing is these best people, they change things. They unlock doors. They make things happen for you that you didn't know could happen. They help create that culture you talked about as well. From a cost standpoint, most people look at me and say, Mike, that sounds expensive. And on a cost per person basis, it is expensive. But what most people fail to understand is that the best people outperform the average by two to five to 10 times 
as much. So hiring the best people, when you look at a cost per unit produced, the best people are actually less expensive than all the rest. And you can't afford not to hire that caliber. So I think step one for us was recognizing that important fact to hire the best. Step two was recognizing that I have to build the culture. It doesn't just happen. And so for us, it took us some time, but to really figure out what our purpose, what our mission is, what our values are, what differentiates our people from average people in the industry. And you heard some of that earlier. And once you've established that, it's got to be something that's true to you. Because if it's not true to the leadership, it's not real. It doesn't have to be like perfect. It can be a little rougher on the edges. It can be a little, maybe you're a very hard, kind of difficult culture. Be honest about it. And you're going to attract those kind of people. So that's a key aspect to all of this. I do all of our orientations. Uh, we do a lot of employee surveys. We have feedback and we make changes. We're honest. We give all of our feedback that we get from employees. We post that on our website. You can see the good, bad, and the ugly of how we're actually doing. We don't edit it. Uh, we put a lot of energy into that culture. And another, I'll give you one last thing that we do differently is if you look at all the other construction companies, we all face the problem of hiring great people. It's really hard to find them. And so we looked at that problem and said, what can we do differently? And what we decided to do was hire on a large recruiting team. In fact, uh, at the time, we were a 100-person company, and we hired 14 recruiters. Think about that. 14% of our company were just recruiters. And what we found is that the best people are not looking for jobs. They already have a job. So our recruiters, they don't just post and pray. They go out and they create maps of the entire group, all the kinds of people that are out there, work to build relationships with them over time because then when a role opens up, we can snatch them and pull them into our company. So you just have to think about things differently than what other people are doing. I love that. Best advice uh, that you've ever been given or that you could share with somebody in the construction industry that's been given to you. Yeah, but very shortly, hire the very best people. To give you a new one, it would be, we are all terrible at what we do first. Jump into it, be okay in that, be okay with failure. And it's over time, you will get better. And that's the way to true success. Don't get stuck in the weeds beforehand. Just get out and start trying. Love it. Worst advice that you've been given that you could tell somebody coming in that, you know, avoid this. That you're not good enough. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that was one of the big things I often heard, right? You can't do this. You don't have the expertise. You don't know what you're doing. Guess what? We're all born that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And if we let people like that get in our heads, it will stop us from being the full potential of who we can be. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe for more episodes like this. For more information on Construction Pals podcast and Blue Tape, please visit bluetape.com.